Hey everybody, welcome back to the Willow Center podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chase Cotton, the community director here at the Willow Center, along with my friend and colleague and ever-faithful co-host. Hey, I'm Mason. I'm the operations director here at the Willow Center. Notice that title change. Whoop, whoop. whoop, whoop. Congrats on your new position. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome back. This is this is episode two of season four of the Willow Center podcast. Last month, which was January, we discussed the uh, the topic of expectations, and that was a really really good one to kick things off. I think and kind of set the foundation of where we're taking this season. But this month, we are diving into perhaps an even more difficult topic. <laughs> if we're being honest yeah. with ourselves, the topic is boundaries and setting boundaries and how to do that. Yeah. Um, there is one particular quote that I found inspiring. I think I'm going to make that a tradition. You know, we shared a mm. quote in the introduction of last yeah. episode. I think I'm going to do that every episode. So I like that. There's uh, a quote that I've sort of used um, as inspiration for the entirety of this month of February 2024. And it's from uh, advocate and author Anne Lamott. She says, no is a complete sentence. Mm. <laughs> Short Simple and very profound. Mm-hmm. I think no is a, a great place to start when it comes to thinking about boundaries and whether or not we say no often enough. But uh, I just want that to be sort of the undercurrent, mm-hmm. sort of the uh, the concrete cornerstone we lay down on this conversation that we're going to start building mm-hmm. upon. So how about we just go ahead and, and dive in, maybe even starting with, with no as the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can take it broader if you want, Mason. Uh, why, <laughs> in your opinion... Is setting boundaries so freaking difficult? There are just a million reasons. Just a million reasons why setting boundaries is difficult. But if I had to say probably the top one that from what I've heard from my clients and just my own personal experience, it's definitely got to be the feeling of letting people down. Woof. (laughs) It just hurts. Yeah. Because what... I feel like especially in American culture, um, and I and it may be true in other cultures as well, when you set a boundary, it feels like selfishness. And that is not a a, um, a virtue that is looked kindly upon for right. m- by many people. I think it's a really good point. I think I would even take it a step further in my own experience and, and call it a fear of, of offending people, mm, right? Yeah. Whether it's saying no to going out to a show with a friend or whether it's, um, you know, saying no to, uh, you know, a, a person that uh, has continuously made, continuously made advances that you don't, mm. you don't uh, yeah. want, um, or, you know, saying no to another, another volunteer opportunity when you just need more margin in your life. I personally struggle with, with, that feeling that like oh man like they might not like me anymore mm. like it's not even just like oh I'm a, I'm a selfish jerk for setting this boundary it's more so like what are they going to think of me period mm. or are they going to be so offended that we have like a ruined relationship yeah relate? and uh completely and it is it's it's so interesting the way you put that because all of those phrases you just used one I felt them. I have felt them myself. (laughs) Good to know I'm not alone. But two, they are all just anxiety precursors, right? Mm. Like, because here's the thing. Once you, for so many people, and from what I've experienced in my own life, once I set the boundary, 
people's reaction is not what I'm going to like their reaction is not what I get anxious about. Right. Right. It's like once they've given me that reaction, it's over. Hmm. The situation's done. But when I don't set the boundary, my anxiety continues to spiral. Yeah. Because so it spirals up before you set it, you set it locked in. You're good. Right. But then after, but the, uh, the problem with when you don't set it, is it, it's like, okay, well I didn't want to do this and now I'm going, well, how's it going to be? You know, I didn't even want to do this. And it, it can really start to spiral out of control so quickly, at least a, a, how, what I've experienced. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good point. I'm trying to think of some other things that make boundary setting difficult. And maybe, you know, listeners or, or viewers on YouTube, you can share your experiences in the comments or send us an email. We'd love to know. Uh, I think I think boundary setting is, is even more difficult in professional contexts. Mm. Because yeah. you have this like this undercurrent one of of power indifferences, yeah, um, and the dynamics that go with that, and then you have this undercurrent of like economic stability. Mm. Like for example, uh, maybe you have a boss that's micromanaging you, or um, maybe you have a colleague that uh, you know just really gets on your nerves mm-hmm. or is maybe deliberately offensive in some mm. way or discriminatory in worst For case sure. scenarios. And you're like, oh, man, I don't want to like rock the boat. You know, if I rock the boat too much, am I going to get fired mm. or am I going to miss a promotion opportunity or is yeah. it going to hurt my relationships with other people on my team? Like there's other things that I think just make the water even murkier yeah. when it comes to boundary setting in that kind of context. And I'm curious for you. So you're, in this community director role here, yeah. you've been in management before, Chase. As somebody who has been on, ha- has been in higher power positions, mm-hmm. in, in comparison, right? How do you work with boundaries if they've, uh, when you've seen them set or when you've had to set them yourself? <sighs> Man, you're dropping some hard ones on me. Today. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm unprepared. Um, in leadership positions, and and I guess where my mind goes to is in particular, like in in some of the the coalition work I do, where I'm mm. playing more of a leadership role than For sure. than I am necessarily as a community director um, internally. Uh, I, I think boundaries start and end with clarity being the goal, mm. because. Yeah. Um, I, I think oftentimes the, the boundaries that need to be set are because one or the other party isn't clear about mm. what's okay and what's not okay in the other person's experience of, of them. Yeah. And so like I, I consider, um, you know, I consider some, some of the professional relationships that I'm in where we might both be in similar meetings or we might both be working towards similar goals to improve the community, but we go about it in very different ways mm-hmm. where one party might be a little more aggressive, a little more pushy. The other party might be uh, a little, a little more PC, if you will, mm-hmm. a little more even keel, try yeah. not to make anybody feel uncomfortable. And um, oftentimes those two parties, those two types of people are going to butt heads for sure. They're on the same team mm-hmm. working towards the same goals, but just because of approach, they butt heads. Yeah. And then there's this like, this exchange relationally where, where clarity gets lost, where it's mm. like I am getting offended by this other person because mm. of the way in which they're doing something or the way in which they're communicating something, yeah. not even what they're communicating mm. and vice versa. They're starting to get offended and they're unclear on whether or not I'm all the way in on a something because of my approach or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so setting a boundary, I, I think, in, in professional leadership type scenarios like that really requires a commitment to clarity from the get-go. Mm. Um, because if you don't set the boundary and clear the air yeah, <laughs> like and, and clarify expectations to mm. make a nod mm. to last month's episode, right. um, you end up, like you mentioned, you end up just in this really uncomfortable anxiety about every interaction you have with this other person. Mm-hmm. And that can be difficult. And and I will even take that a step further and say, I think that that is true kind of across the board with boundary setting. Without, the without I would say, the foundation of... Uh, well, actually, give, let me take a step back and even take this back to the no point that you started off the episode with. Yeah. Without the, ex- without the baseline of no is okay and just mutual respect and mutual understanding mm-hmm. without those without that as the base boundaries are so hard but right. when you have people in good faith and goodwill when you set a boundary with somebody who really cares you know they might be taken back at first but they'll be like whoa that's amazing you know like i can respect what you're doing yeah, even ideally if, yeah. yeah um and what i tell clients so so often is when you set a boundary, if somebody is annoyed, distressed, or angry about it, it's because that was a way they were probably taking advantage of you. The person mm. that was taking, uh, the person that you're setting the boundary with, they're probably mad because they're like, well, now I'm, loos- I'm losing something by yeah. you not giving me this. Right. Which is just so interesting because we are autonomous individuals, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's get a little more personal. Okay. Um, could you share like a story with me, uh, from your past or could be current or, or, uh, or not recent at all, whatever you choose about either a boundary that you had to set with someone or with yourself. Um, or, uh, maybe it was a boundary that someone set toward you (laughs) or Mm. against you is how it often feels. (laughs) Um, and, and any good that came of it. And then I'll, I'll do the same. I'll share one too. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I have been married now for, uh, we're about to hit year number three in June. Woo. Nice. Um, and throughout a new marriage, you know, there's so many new things that you get to explore together. And a piece of that has been, what does personal time look like? Mm. What, and where is that where's our boundaries with that? Where are our boundaries? And so um, within the past year, we've had to continue to find that line and see what is the amount of time that I need? What's the boundary I need to set for? Okay, maybe it's an hour, maybe it's 30 minutes, but where's this line that I need just about every day just to feel refreshed and recharged? And um, this is it had been an interesting boundary that we've had to continue to work on because originally I was like, I think I need like an, about an hour a day. Yeah. But, um, based on all of the various things in life, you know, it, that didn't seem realistic. And so we've had to adjust that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so the, although it started out as a hard boundary that I had to set and there was respect there and I got felt more recharged. Uh, it's something that I've actually had to, workshop a little bit and say okay well you know maybe an hour is too much to ask for but i can do 45 minutes and i have to be hard on that 45 minutes sure and so um that's been boundary but also compromise um but 
still getting what I need from the boundary, which is that rest and relaxation. Yeah. So what I hear you saying is that that particular boundary had a lot to do with your feeling of health and and your your pursuit of just general wellness. Mm-hmm. Having opportunities to recharge is important. Yeah, definitely. And I think boundaries have a lot to do with that. Oh, Whether or not we're so willing much. to admit ourselves, <laughs> that has a lot yeah. to do with our health and wellness. For sure. And so I'm curious, Chase, um, do you have maybe a similar story or something different, a way you've had to set a boundary? Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll go the familial route as well. Um, so I have a family member uh, who has been battling active addiction and is currently still in active addiction, as well as some, some co-occurring mental health struggles um, for a few years now. And uh, it's caused, obviously, a ton of stress mm, on yeah. the extended family and those connected to this individual. Um, and, uh, you know, I know many of our of our listeners and, and viewers can relate to that directly, mm. <laughs> either being a person who's experienced uh, mental health struggle or addiction or having a family member who does. So yeah. please know that we at the Willow Center understand from firsthand experience as well. Yeah. Or at Amen. least we'll, we'll do our best to empathize, you know. Um, so there's been a lot of havoc, not to put it too lightly, uh, that has been wreaked mm-hmm. by, by this individual on relationships. And uh, what uh, I noticed for, for my, my own family, um, meaning my, my wife and my child, uh, is that anytime we were visiting with, with the extended family that was most immediately in proximity to this individual that was struggling, mm-hmm. anytime we hung out together, even if that individual wasn't there, every conversation, every gathering, every mm. it felt like every bit of our energy went towards discussing and agonizing and arguing mm. about this individual. Yeah. Um, because all of us obviously care about them mm-hmm. and want the best for them and are hoping for recovery and wellness at mm-hmm. some point in their future. But uh, it was it was getting to the point where we couldn't have a family gathering with everyone present with or without an individual without it being about that person. Mm. And yeah. it was a detriment to our relationships with one another. Mm. Um, you know, it was a detriment to, uh, to, <laughs> to all of us uh, in one way or in another. Um, and so we, I had to set a boundary and, and, really we all had to set a boundary to commit to only talking about certain things when it was time to talk about them mm. as opposed to talking about them always. Yeah. Um, we had to commit to putting it off the table when mm. the gathering was supposed to be celebratory. Yeah. Right. So think holidays and birthdays and things like that. We were mm. getting around and having a meal. That is not the time for us all to be really anxious and emotional and crying and raising our voices. Mm. <laughs> like yeah. we had to just set about and be like, this is not the day. This mm. is not the day we're talking about this person mm-hmm. and their struggles. It's not the day. Yeah. And that boundary has been very, very helpful. Um, in many ways, I would say that boundary has, has, has saved uh, uh, some of our relationships from mm. going down, you know, a pathway of, of bridge burning, which I, you know, none of us wanted. Yeah. None of us still want, it was hard though, right? Oh yeah. Especially the the actual conversation when we had to set the boundary. That's mm-hmm. the hardest part. Mm-hmm. Right? Of course, is the agonizing anxiety of like planning it out and thinking about how am I going to say this, you right. know, without being offensive, or whatever. But like the actual like family meeting part. Mm-hmm. Holy crap, man! Like <laughs> one mm-hmm. of the hardest, weirdest evenings. Just like yeah. really difficult, um, but really important, and yeah. ultimately has been super beneficial for the whole family. So and ah, uh, I. 
honestly, I, I, I've had a very similar conversation. And so I yeah. understand the difficulty and I want to say almost the exact same outcome. It, and what, what I've, what I've he- heard from you and what I've experienced myself is that when these boundaries are necessary and respected, the growth that you can feel in that relationship is so tangible. Right. It's so tangible because most of the time you're setting a boundary either because you're, you are not growing the way you want to or the relationship is not growing the way you want it to. Sure. And it feels weird like, okay, we need to put up this fence to help it, our relationship grow. But sometimes you have to prune a bush, mm. you know, in order to keep it blossoming. Yeah, and it's so. a good metaphor. And I think there's this um, part of the, the fear and the anxiety involved with boundaries is that people think they're putting up walls. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a difference between walls and fences, mm-hmm. right? I think that's also worth noting, um, in particular as it relates to the complexities of various traumas that we all go through in life. Um, sometimes a wall might be needed. Yeah, a hundred percent. Right. Like I think of of examples <laughs> like 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 domestic violence situations. Mm. Like you could consider divorce and escape very hard wall-built boundaries mm-hmm. with restraining orders and potential arrests and safe uh, housing options and things like that. Like those boundaries are life-saving. Right. Right. There's a difference contextually between that and what I would consider more of a fence boundary where it's like, I still want to be in relationship with this person, but mm. this aspect of our relationship has got to be hedged in. <laughs> yeah. Right? It's got to it's got to be a little bit more respectful mm. or a little bit more strategic mm-hmm. than it's been in the past. That's more of a fence. Yeah. And I think that especially for those strategic boundaries, so much of that is relates to mental wellness. Yeah. And a lot of people don't think about it that way. When you're in a relationship, you don't think about being strategic because that can be be uh I feel like that conflates with manipulation a lot, but right. being strategic is working together for the health and wealth of your relationship, right? Yeah. And boundaries really help with that. And speaking of, what does setting boundaries have to do with promoting m- mental wellness in general? Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, we've both already touched on the fact that there's a lot of anxiety involved with the oh, yeah the, the conversation of setting a boundary itself. Um, but I think uh, the biggest factor when it comes to promoting mental wellness and setting boundaries, in my opinion, is the relief you feel once it's been set. Mm, yeah. Like, I feel like if you were to do, like, a clinical study mm-hmm. or if we were to have uh, a bunch of students from Purdue or IU Indianapolis or, you know, anywhere with a counseling program – and invite them to just do a do a sociological study on people who've set boundaries, how they felt before, how they felt after. Mm-hmm. Darn near guarantee that most people who set a boundary have felt way better after mm-hmm. having set it oh, than they yeah. did before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that feels like a proof in the pudding type scenario, yeah. but you know, up until the point of setting the boundary, yeah, it's incredibly anxiety inducing. Uh, a lot of folks struggle with depression. Mm. Um, a lot of folks live in the trauma that that could be perpetually happening and that could be a major trauma like domestic violence to use it again or Mm. it could be something more minor like i think like an identity-based microaggression or something Mm. where it's like this one particular person in your life just keeps 
saying this or that or this or that against mm. your identity, even yeah. though they might not be even be intending to do so mm. um, or intending to offend you by doing so. They just don't know better or whatever it is or it could be something as silly and as simple as someone brings up a topic that you're not as fond of mm-hmm. and they bring it up all the time with you and you've just never set the boundary to be like, I don't really feel like talking about that, man. That's not my thing. Right. You know, <laughs> like it could be something that simple, mm-hmm. but it's causing stress. Right. Right. And it's hurting the relationship. It's making you feel like, I don't want to talk to this person. They only ever talk about this and that's mm-hmm. not me or whatever it is. You know? Yeah. I, I think so much of that stress could be relieved and, and some, dare I say, trauma avoided or healed from by setting a boundary. Yes. And, and what boundaries do to build off what you're saying to what boundaries do for the mental wellness of the person is, you know, it alleviates that anxiety. It makes the the load a little bit lighter, but, but sometimes people don't respect the boundary, right? Good point. And that, that sounds scary and it sounds bad and, it, and it's, it is bad. But what I will say is it gives you an opportunity, right? When you don't set boundaries, you're living life with blinders on. Mm. You're saying, I'm worried that you won't like me. I'm worried that you won't respect me if I show that these are the things I care about. Because a boundary is saying, this is what I value right now. And I'm, it's worth fighting for. Right. And so when you don't set them, you're living with these blinders on. When you set a boundary, you're taking the blinders off of your relationship. You're, you're peeking through because if a person doesn't respect them, it's showing who they are. Right. It's showing they're not somebody who respects what you think, what you value, or the direction that you want to go. Right. Because love and respect is really nebulous. They're really nebulous ideas, mm-hmm. right? They're they're more emotion than measurable data. Right. But what boundaries do for love and respect and relationships is it gives you some measures mm-hmm. where it's like, not to really boil it down too far here, but... If you respect me, you will stop this. Mm-hmm. If you love me, you will not do this. Or, to, to the affirmative side, if you love me, you will start doing this. Right. Right? Especially in the context of some, some long-term relationships. That's an right. important one. I, I, I think having those measures can be really productive yeah. in helping a relationship mature. Now, this is something that I always make sure to talk about when I mention boundaries in the groups that okay. I run. The like boundaries as well as values, all of this stuff really does work together. And the reason I mention it right now is because if you say, if you love me, you will do this, that, that could be manipulative. It could be. Yeah. Depending on intent, but depending on intent. So this is such a good opportunity to, if you're like, man, I don't know if my intent's right. I don't know if I am going to set these boundaries, right? That's a great opportunity to get into counseling yeah. and really get your, like, start to trust yourself, start to trust your values and trust who you are. And then when you're setting those boundaries, you can say, I'm doing this because I know I need to do this to feel healthy and to feel loved. Right. It's not to get up, get one up on somebody. It's not to hurt somebody. It's literally because these are my necessities. Right. I think um, maybe a, another common misunderstanding about boundary setting is that it's about control. Mm, Um, Yeah. And perhaps there's an element of that, but um, 
I, I think it can be taken to an extreme, right? More often than not, setting a boundary is not about controlling someone else and their behavior. It's about preserving one's own being, mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. one's own experience of the relationship and reality without harm being done. Mm-hmm. It's not just about control. Um, but I guess that goes back to intent. Um, but but speaking about things that things that need to be controlled, yeah, um, there's definitely some boundary setting that goes along with uh, not using substances and not oh, drinking yeah. and sobriety and recovery, which is definitely about self-control, at least yeah. in some regard. So in your experience, when you've been working with clients who are pursuing long-term recovery, what have you noticed as far as like what setting boundaries in those contexts looks like? Mm. Well, I want to go back to exactly what you said right before this question, because <laughs> you said setting boundaries is for a lot of people, this self-preservation. I'm trying to preserve. For some people, it's love. I'm trying to preserve happiness. I'm trying to preserve this relationship. Yeah. And for people in sobriety and recovery, this is I'm preserving my sobriety and recovery over everything. Right. Right. Top priority. Number the, one. Number one. Yes. And at that point, it can be hard because if you're interacting with somebody in sobriety, early sobriety or recovery, because they're probably going to have to set some pretty hard boundaries of like, I cannot be around alcohol at even at like a dinner at a restaurant. Sure. I cannot um, go to this various part of town. Like we're going to have to drive, you know, can we not go anywhere near this place? Yeah. Just because they know that they have to work smarter than addiction not work harder than it right right so many people think before they get into sobriety and recovery oh i need to work harder than this i have to be strong but but strong people don't have to set boundaries Hmm. strong people can will their way all the way to a healthy relationship right that's what society sometimes tells us yeah but the, the but the people who really want to do things well, the people who are really trying to push for sobriety, recovery, and healthy relationships, you, you want to work smarter. And that means setting, saying, this is my line. And when that's respected, this relationship can go so far. Right. And that's that, where true strength lies. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it, especially in, in the recovery community, it boils down to you know, the, the big three, the people, the places, the things. Mm, yeah. right? Like there's going to be people you have to set boundaries against. You might have to cut them out altogether, mm-hmm. especially if the only context of your relationship was using. Oh, yeah. You know, that this place, like you said, places you can't go anymore, streets yeah. you cannot travel down anymore, mm-hmm. things you can't do, like be bored, for example. Mm-hmm. Boredom is such a huge trigger for some people. So for it's sure. like you got to be smart. How do you say it? You worded it. Work harder or no, work smarter, not harder than, yeah. than the addiction. I think that's powerful. Um, So let me ask you a a related question then. Again, you know, specific to our friends in recovery. Um, What what about those that that may have caused some trauma, whether that's Mm. to their immediate family or friends, when they were in active addiction and they have had boundaries set against them? Mm. What what do you do with that? Because I'm sure that feels crappy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Or, you know, what if they're... You know, some new boundaries that are set when trying to rebuild some of those relationships, even though someone's in early recovery and making yeah. strides and improvements, like there's still some boundaries that are set against them. How do you handle that? How do you recommend someone react to and participate mm. in that? So I want to start off. So if somebody is, you know, this is the first day that you're sober and you're listening to this one, 
thank you welcome <laughs> good work keep it up <laughs> um but two with early sobriety you know for so many people you are using substances to get away from stress you're using uh substances to get away from pressure right and boundaries are can feel like stress and pressure yeah so whenever you have that boundary against you not against you but like set with somebody else right yeah it can feel like oh man there's so much pressure on me right now this is really stressful and it it can almost make you um it could be a trigger or it could just make you be like ah oh, man is this really worth it this is a lot harder than how it was when i was in active addiction but here's the beauty of it when somebody is willing to set a boundary with you they're saying i want this relationship to be healthier yeah and it's not all just a mindset thing. I think there are some actionable steps, but I think as somebody in early sobriety and recovery, if you can just know the mindset of they are willing to stay in my life and try to help our relationship, if you can accept that, oh my goodness, your mindset on boundaries can just have a 180. Well, yeah. I mean, what I hear you saying is that more or less in a scenario like that, depending again on the severity and the context yeah. of the trauma or whatever, a person setting a boundary toward you is almost an offering of a gift. Mm. It's like, I'm helping you help me stay in this relationship. I am helping mm. you help me give you a chance or a yeah. second or hundred thousandth chance in yeah. this relationship. So respect it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good advice. Respect mm. the boundary mm -hmm. that's set against you. Like, yeah, right. Get get up there and meet that challenge, right. you know, in a way that is soft and willing and committed. And and let's get let's get out of this nebulous place. Let's go let's go brass tacks. Yeah. Say that the the boundary for somebody who's in early sobriety or recovery is I won't give you money. I won't see you except for in certain contexts, maybe in public places at coffee shops, but you cannot come to my house anymore. Yeah. Or I will not let you around my children right now. That is hard to hear. Sure. It is incredibly tough. Yeah. But that is a boundary that they have to set because of probably what's happened, right? Right. And if you, and the fact that they're willing to preserve that relationship, if you respect it, if you are willing to meet them at that coffee shop every week or every month and they get to see your progress there's probably going to be a reevaluation of that fence they had to put up. Sure. Once they see it, once they see the change coming, once yeah. they see that sobriety and recovery works. Right. And if you keep working it, you can definitely show that it works. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. So before we conclude, because we're right about the 30 minute mark here, we're, we're going to wrap up this conversation. Mm -hmm. Don't want to get too long winded, but yeah. I want to continue on the brass tacks. Very practical thing. Cause I, I appreciate that. What are some other things that are just like helpful boundaries, just like pro tips when it comes to, in mm. particular, mental health and sobriety that uh, that we would recommend people, listeners, viewers, set? Mm. What are just for mental health or sobriety and recovery? For the promotion huh? or preservation or sustaining of such. Yeah. yeah. So I would say for mental for mental health, especially, I would say having um, self-care boundaries in your relationships or at work is incredibly important. Yes, that's a good one. I would say for mental health, in, uh, sort of included that, is 
in particular, if you are an empath or if you're in a caregiving type role, whether that's at work or at home, um, consider increasing the margin past where you think you need it. Mm. Because we are diseased with saying yes to everything. (laughs) (laughs) Because we feel like we have to help. We have Mm. to do something. And we can never do enough to fill that bucket, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So please preserve your margin. If I may even add on to that, I'm going to give a personal example. I promise I'll make it quick. My uh, my great aunt has dementia. Yeah. She recently was put into a home, and I've continued to help support her as well as support my family as we've gone through this. Sure. But I was on a phone call with my mom this past week, and she was sharing how she had not been there to see her for a couple days. Yeah. And... This might sound counterintuitive, but I praised my mom for that because the guilt that she felt for not going was intense. But the amount that I could just hear her, hear it in her voice, how she had been able to take care of herself in that time right. and recharge. And then I know the next time she goes or the next time we go to see my great aunt, she's going to have so much more love and compassion to give her. In right. that moment. Yeah, I can't pour from an empty cup kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. That's huge. Okay, so a tip uh, a tip for boundary setting in, in sobriety and recovery. We've done a couple for mental health. Yeah. Um, I would suggest you delete every contact in your phone that was previously associated with use or dealing. Mm. Uh, and that can be hard, especially if some of those people you feel like were like the crew. Like yeah. <laughs> the tight-knit like it can be really difficult to cut some of those folks out, but I've seen it done. And I have a specific alumni in mind from the mm-hmm. Willow Center that straight up smashed his phone with a hammer <laughs> in order to get rid of the opportunity for these past people in his life that had caused a lot of harm for him to be able to contact anymore. Got a whole mm. new phone number, and he knew the phone numbers of those that he loved and cherished and would support him in his recovery by heart. Mm. He put those people in his new phone. So that's a, that's a great, easy, practical one. Yeah. I would say another really important boundary to set in early sobriety and recovery would be to stay away from the places that you know are going to trigger you, mm. even if it's with people that are good for you. If your family lives in a place where that is still very triggering, that could be problematic. Right. Or... um. The Westside Club, which is an amazing place where you can go at, to attend community support meetings like AA, there is a liquor store on the other side of the building. <laughs> if that that's right, if that is too triggering, find other community support groups to start out with. Yeah, great point, man. Like, like you got it, you have to know these things, plan for them, and set those boundaries where you need them. Absolutely. I'm sure you and I could fire these back and forth all day long, but we'll wrap it here. So if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on your favorite podcast streaming app, please share share your practical tips with us and we'll repost them. We'd love to to just build a whole a whole library of good boundary setting tips as it relates to promoting your own mental wellness and the wellness of those relationships you're in with others as well as your own sobriety and recovery. Let us know. Thank you so much for tuning in for another episode. This was episode two of season four of the Willow Center podcast. Uh, next month's topic, we're going to be diving into brain science. In particular, uh, how you can influence your own brain science as it relates to uh, emotions and wellness and 
you know, all the things we typically talk about, but yeah. we're going to get a little nerdy with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to a little, little technical and scientific with it, yeah. but we're going to keep it practical and give you some tools in your tool chest that you can utilize to help improve your brain chemistry and boost your mood, etc. It'll yeah. be great. We I'm hope excited. you come and join us. Again, my name is Chase. And I'm Mason. Thanks for, thanks for tuning in. Take care of yourselves.